cool. I have a whole overhead presentation that I've worked on. Even has a joke about me doing Jehoshaphat so that Nathan would get annoyed. And I'd be like, no, it's okay. You can do it next week. I'm doing Ezra. Um, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but I still feel like what God wants to say this morning is the same thing he told me he wanted to say a few days ago. So we're just going to go with that. Um, but I'm just going to talk and hopefully having things on the slide and not distracting for those who find who need visual things. But anyway, um, put your hand up. Who knows if I said to you, hey, go to the book of Ezra, who's going to be able to go, yep, I'm there? Who, who, okay, put your hand up if you never even know that there is a book of Ezra. A few people don't know that there's a book of Ezra. There is. There's a book called Ezra. It's about the 15th book in the Bible. Now, the annoying thing about the Bible is, for me anyway, is it's actually, the books are not chronological in order. If you want to follow the story of the Old Testament, oh, sorry, Ezra is in the Old Testament. Um, and the chronological nature of the story is not, um, is not in the order of the books. The books are not written, the books are, are put together in terms of the history of the Bible and in terms of prophets, my, major and minor prophets and all this kind of stuff, not actually how things happen and the timeline of things happen. Um, so Ezra was a priest and he was around the time where um, the Israel was one nation and then they disobeyed God, they didn't listen to him, and they actually were split into two kingdoms. One of those kingdoms got taken over by some people called the Assyrians, and they were taken over and then they were no longer existed. So we're left with a small amount of Israel. And some people called the Babylons came and took people from Israel and took them to Babylon. And they took like the prize people, like the best of the best. So, of course, everybody in this room, we would have all gone to Babylon because we're, you know, the best of the best. Um, people like Daniel, if you know about Daniel and Daniel and the lion's den, all of that happened not in Israel but actually in Babylon. But if you take the best of the best to Babylon, there's still people left back in their hometown. And they continued to live life and Babylon still ruled over them. But then another country came called Syria and they came and took over Babylon and so took over the Israelite people. The king of Syria said, hey, if you want to, Israelites, you can go back home. And so some people went, yay, fantastic, let's go back home and build the temple. So they went back home and built the temple. And at the beginning of the book of Ezra, this guy called Zerubbabel, who takes a whole lot of people back to try and build the temple of God. And then instead of chapter 6 of Ezra, you meet this guy who's actually called Ezra. And he's a priest. And he goes back and takes some people back to Jerusalem. But when he gets there, he sees that people are not actually following God. Now, my very favorite verse in the whole book of Ezra and since I had this on a slide, I should have actually like turned to Ezra in my Bible before I got here. So we'll just quickly find it. If you guys don't know a book in the Bible, do you know what the best way of actually finding it out is? Oh, yeah. That would be good, but I don't have my phone with me. Yeah, the context page. Just look it up at the beginning. Find out what page it is and then just turn to that page. 
And I'll just tell you what Ezra 6.10 says, okay? Ezra 6.10 says that Ezra devoted himself to the study, the observance, and the teaching of the law of the Lord. That's not an actual version. That's a Tanya memory version of the verse. And so that's what Ezra did. He spent his life studying the word of God. But he didn't just stop by studying the word of God. He then lived out what he'd studied. And he didn't just stop there. He actually passed it on to other people. And I said that that was Ezra 6.10. It's Ezra 7.10. So if you're looking up Ezra 6.10, that wasn't the verse. I'm sorry. So Ezra was someone who knew the word of God. And not just knew the word of God, but did all that he could to live it out and then pass it on to others. So when he gets back to Jerusalem and he sees these people are actually not following the word of God. And he's devastated by this. He's so devastated by it. And this is what happens in Ezra 9. This is what it says in verse 3. As soon as I heard this, he heard that the people were not following God's law. I tore my garment and cloak and pulled my hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the word of the God of Israel, because of the faithfulness of the returned Israel exiles, gathered around me while I set appalled into the evening sacrifice. The question I have for you today, and I think the question that God has out of Ezra, is when was the last time we actually were appalled by the things that have happened that are not of God? When was the last time that we actually so knew the word of God and when we saw people not living it, we actually were grieved because the word of God was not being honoured? Ezra knew the word of God, lived it out and tried to pass it on to other people. And he was so grieved that people were not following the things of God that day and night he sat and grieved and he fasted. He goes on to say, oh my God, I am ashamed to lift up my face to you. For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. For the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. Now, Ezra actually hasn't done the sin, but he knows God's word and understands the power that's in God's word. And because of that, he's so grieved that he actually takes it on himself and says, we've got to do something about this. They do stuff about the sin and life goes on for a bit. And then we meet this guy called Nehemiah. So if you're ever reading the book of Ezra, you shouldn't stop at the end of Ezra. You need to keep on reading Nehemiah because people actually think that the two books really join together as one book. Um, and so Nehemiah comes back from Babylon to Israel to actually build a wall. And he has all this opposition and all this kind of stuff happens. And then in Nehemiah chapter 8, and all the people gathered as one before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law that the, Moses, that the Lord had commanded Israel. So the priest brought the law before the assemblies, both men and women, and all who could understand what was heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it facing a square before the water gate from early morning till midnight. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. 
And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside them stood all these guys. Um, And then we jump on to verse 6 and it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And verse 8 says, They read from the book of the law clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people could understand the reading. So here you have a whole group of people that have really forgotten what the word of God says. And so Ezra the priest comes and reads it to everybody. And as they're reading, people actually respond. The word of God is so powerful that the people bow their heads on the ground and worship God. In Timothy, the word of God tells us that the word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. When was the last time that this book pierced your soul? When was the last time that you actually read the Bible and were changed by what you read? When was the last time that you could not move because you were so attentive of what God was actually saying? My hope is that you can remember a time. And my hope is that that time was not too far distant from this very moment. If this word of God was so powerful in Ezra's time that people, when they heard it for the first time, changed their lives around. They actually, like, got rid of their wives because of the power of what they read. That's how powerful they saw this word. As it was being read to them, they fell down prostrate. They stood up for hours with their hands raised to heaven, different times and different people, to say, we want to know what this word has to say. We have bookshops that you can walk into and have bookshelf after bookshelf after bookshelf of this book that's just sitting there, ready for you to put some money down and buy. I have in my house maybe more than 20, more than 20, I'd say, around 20 copies of this book. There's five people that live in my house. Maybe the more prominent question is, when was the last time you actually read it? And not read it because someone else told you to, but read it because you actually wanted to. There's a joke that I heard recently about a pastor was having dinner at someone's house and afterwards the wife was really concerned because she couldn't find her silver spoon and she decided that the pastor must have stolen it. So for months and months she still went to church but she was still really annoyed and would say to her husband, boy, like, I cannot believe that he stole our silver spoon. And so finally she went, oh, I better actually, let's have him over for dinner and let's confront him. And so they have him over for dinner again and they say, look, the last time you were here, we had some, and we put out the silverware, one of the silver spoons is gone, we think you took it. And he said, no, no, I didn't take it, I just put it in your Bible. This is the word of God. There's the same word of God that Ezra read. The same word of God that Timothy that tells us is so powerful. And so if it's not powerful in your life, the word of God has not changed. The God that we serve has not changed. So we should still encounter the very spirit of God speaking to us when we read this word. I think there's a number of reasons why we might not. And it could be that I'm just speaking for myself because all of you guys encounter God heaps and it's all good. So 
just bear with me as God speaks to me. But I think one of the reasons is we actually don't read it. There's actually times when the only time we know anything that's said in this book is because we come to church and in Sunday school we read a verse or up the front we read a verse and so it's always done in that way. And maybe there's people who don't read this Bible because it's too scary. If the Bible is really scary for you and it just seems like it's too much, can you please come and talk to me? Because I'd love to help you understand how this is actually not a really scary book and how it can be really straightforward for you to understand. Maybe you don't read it because life just gets too busy. If life is too busy to read the Bible, well, then we can't actually grow in our relationship with God. And so can I suggest that things need to change if life is too busy? But maybe we read the Word of God. Maybe it's not reading it that's the problem. But when we read it, there's no particular encounter that we find that we read about things like in Ezra and we're like wow that's amazing not yeah that's my experience maybe you're like me just a little while ago and you always read the bible with an agenda I was convicted recently that that's what I've been doing for a while been reading the bible always with an agenda in mind always for a purpose if it just is because I want to read it, but if it's because I've got an activate group happening or we're doing it in church and I want to know what's happening, like sometimes with good agendas, but never read it to say, God, and don't speak what my agenda is, speak what your agenda is. Can I suggest if you read the Bible with an agenda, God can speak, but if you want to encounter God and recount him in a living way, reading this with an agenda is actually a really good way of allowing it to encounter you in a way that God wants you to be encountered and not just the way that you think God wants to encounter you. And maybe this is a book that you read and you read it diligently, but because you read it diligently, it's just something that you do. You do it because that's what you do. And so you don't actually go, wow, this is the living word of God and I'm going to encounter Jesus. It's this is what I do because this is what I do. And I've done it. For years, and I'm going to continue to do it for years. God can still encounter us whenever we pick up this book and read it. But can I suggest you maybe change it up a bit? There are so many translations of this Bible that sometimes I read, and this is the ESV. I'm an NIV girl myself. That's the book that I've read the most. So sometimes I even can read this. And I'm reading it as if it's the NIV version because it's different and the wording is different and so I'm just reading what I know. If you're just reading what you know, change the version up and see if God will encourage something in you to actually enlighten the Word of God. Can I suggest sometimes we don't encounter God because we don't actually expect to encounter God? That sometimes we think that we're just reading a book and not remembering that we are reading the very word of God that is still active, that's job is to actually encounter us and to encounter us in such a way that our life is actually changed by it. Because that's what happened to Ezra. That's what happened to the people that Ezra were talking to. The word of God were not just words. It was actually an encounter with God himself 
And you know what the fantastic thing is? God desires to encounter you. And so we just actually have to be available for it. We don't actually have to do some big magical thing, but to actually open the word of God, stop and read it and say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? This word is so powerful that it changes lives. And as his disciples, it should still be changing our lives no matter if we've read it once or we've read it a thousand times. And so can I actually encourage everybody here, and that includes the person who is like the youngest in the room who I can't in my head work out at this very point in time. But if you're the youngest, this word is for you. And if you're the oldest, this word is for you. This word is powerful. It actually wants, it actually can make a difference in your life. And so give it a go this week. Take some time without an agenda to open up this word and say, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And see how God moves and speaks. Because that is the whole point of this book. This book is not meant to be sitting on a shelf. This book is not meant to be anything other than a way of encountering God himself. Um, And so if you need to read a different translation, if you don't know where to start, come and talk to me. Like if this book is a book that you just don't get, talk to someone and get say, hey, you seem to get it. Help me get it. And if you try it this week and you do not encounter God, can you come and tell me next week or ring me this week and say, I did what you said, didn't work. Because I truly, truly believe what this book says. And this book says when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. This book says it is powerful, that its whole job is to actually make a difference in our lives. And the first time that we read it or the thousandth time that we read it, God is powerful and he wants to move and he wants to speak. And he actually sent his Holy Spirit to make this word alive. So let's take God at his word and say, God, you say I'm going to encounter you. You say your Holy Spirit's going to move and work. So show me. And when we do, he will encounter you in a way that you will not expect But he always will because that is what his word says. And everything that his word says is absolutely true. And even if we don't believe it, the thing that needs to change is our belief because God doesn't change. God is the same God as he was when you did read this word and encounter him to the time when you read the word and it's just nothing. He doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And so let's read the word of God, believing that we will encounter him like they did when Ezra read it. And then let's be like Ezra and study the word of God, put it into practice in our own lives, and then help other people to do the same. Because that's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who knows God themselves, is living a life that's pleasing to God, and then passing it on to others. Let me pray. Hey, God, I want to thank you that your word is powerful. That was powerful the first moment that it was read and it's still powerful today, God. And I want to thank you that you do not change. I want to thank you, God, that you are 
an all-powerful God that so desires to meet with your people. And so I really want to pray, God, for each one of us this week, that as we open up your word, that we will encounter you. I pray that we will encounter you in a new way, God. I want to pray that we will encounter you in a way that will actually make a difference. It will actually change, God, because I believe that's how powerful you are. I believe that's how powerful your word is. And most of all, I believe that that is what your desire is, God. Your desire is for each one of us to be changed by you, God. Your desire, God, is for you to actually come and speak. And so we want to be people who say, God, we are listening to you. We're going to be people who allow your Holy Spirit to move and to work and to speak, God. And so I pray that next week, God, as we gather together, Lord, that each one of us will be so blown away by the encounters that we had as we've opened your word, as we've sat with you, as we've allowed your Holy Spirit to speak and move and work. Amen.